You are listening to the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast, my favorite podcast to listen to on long flights across the galaxy. This is the way. This is the way. We want it, Take two of the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. We got about 15 minutes into the last episode, and Jason was just sounding like crap and looked like crap. So we decided to start over again, and I think it worked. Jason, talk so I can hear you. For the record, the look like thing is actual because I just didn't <laughs> put myself together today. I'm in pajama pants and I got a blanket over my shoulders, but do I sound better? That's you important. do sound better. It's, it's a little okay. bit better. Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's better better than what it was you sounded like you were in a tin can oh i was and then i decided to get out of it and as we re-record i'm outside the tin can but yeah good we can do this let's do this yeah the only reason i got dressed today is because i had band practice so bankruptcy according to the text you sent me (laughs) did it say bankruptcy (laughs) it said bankruptcy i just got out of bankruptcy and i'm like oh I'm going to assume he meant band practice, but if it's bankruptcy, that's because you're spending a crap load of money. Yes, I am. That's why you questioned it, because I didn't, dude, yeah. voice to text doesn't understand me very well, and I'm hoping the people that I talk to understand that. You're starting to look like crap again, but we'll just go with it. But anyway, um, stuff doesn't work very well on voice to text. So yeah. I figure people understand it, and we'll go with it, but. That's why I was like, yeah, like I need another hobby, band practice. Go through your pickups again this week? Yeah, let's go through my pickups. My Cantina creature set that I picked up from a retro shop in uh, Canton. Picked that up. And I, yeah, like you said, it's burning a hole. I've got money burning a hole in my pocket because I don't know why the hell I picked it up other than the fact that the box is really, really clean. Uh, all the pieces, parts are there. The stickers are good. It's got instructions. The only thing it's missing is the uh, inserts. So, and I also picked up this ridiculous looking Back to the Future DeLorean monster truck from Walmart. Yeah, it's Hot Wheels. Yeah, was it Hot Wheels or Matchbox? Well, yeah. Well, what I do is Hot Wheels does the fantasy stuff and Matchbox does the more realistic Real stuff. Yeah, Real stuff. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, all I picked up uh, is that Short Trooper Carbonized from Target. And so I have that as part of my collection. But that's it. Uh, we got celebration tickets this week. So that kind of took a big chunk of my budget. Yeah. But, you know, we've got them paid for. And it hit me like right out. I get in the truck and I start driving away from work and I went, shit, we're going to celebration. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're going to celebration. It's going to be exciting. I was working on banners last night for the club table. Uh, I was working on a Plunko game for the table itself. And I made uh, my first 3D design 
I made Plunko uh, uh, chips and they one has GASWC on it and the other one has the peach logo. So I got to 3D print those and see how they turn out. And then I got mass produce them and I got to make the Plunko table. So there's a lot to do, but we're going to celebration. It's going to celebration. I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's been five years since I've been to one because I think what did they do? They did yeah. Orlando 2019 did- in Chicago. Then they did Chicago and then Anaheim and they canceled Anaheim in 2020. Yes. Facts. Facts. Those are all facts you just said about Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. And it's fun. I, yeah, I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of, like we did last time. There's no need to do the checkpoints. You guys know what to do. It, it, it's a yeah. con. Be ready for it. But um, yep. yeah, I, I missed out. I, I Chicago, I think, was kind of a weird uh spot for it the only reason i could think of is because at the time george lucas was trying to get a uh his museum and chicago was one of the last was one of the finalists for it so that's the only reason why i could figure out why they picked chicago but yeah and i try to do a celebration economically as best as i could obviously we're staying in a hotel this time but last time i stayed at a cousin's place in naperville and trying to get into the city two days in a row beating traffic or getting through traffic and getting downtown was just not fun. No. And so I'm glad that we're, it's going to be a walk, but we're in walking distance. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll do better. I'm, I'm not do better, but I don't think, you know, worst comes to worst, we get an Uber to go to celebration or there's, there's rumors of a, uh, a shuttle, but yeah, when I went, when we did Orlando, I stayed with my son who was about 45 minutes outside of, uh, disney the uh the anaheim's convention center and it wasn't bad because that's what i commute for work every day that's less than my commute so it wasn't too bad and parking didn't stuck sucks i think it was like ten dollars to park so you know the only part that stunk is at midnight when you're making that trek home but the rumor has it that people are the rumor has it that 2020 we're in 23 or 22 we're in two right now aren't we yeah 23 they're <laughs> They're supposed to have it in Orlando, so we'll see what happens. Which, to me, it makes sense if they're going to bounce it back and forth between coasts. That way the mouse still gets his money. Yeah, that'll be nice because that's only a six-hour drive. You don't have to worry about flights. Orlando, well, I-4 is not fun, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're just talking rumors now, so. Yeah, I I do think it kind of stinks if they're going to start doing it every year because that's going to be hard on a lot of people. I think every other year was about perfect. So let's talk about Obi-Wan. Let's talk. Well, let me make an announcement real quick about okay. Atlanta because okay. we need to make it and then we'll talk, get into Obi-Wan and then uh, go into your pre-recorded stuff. Yeah. But uh, Sunday at sometime, sometime around noon on Sunday, we're going to do a live uh, broadcast or live podcast recording at the GASWC table. So come talk to us, come yell at us, come throw tomatoes. Tell us how bad we we suck. Uh, you know, talk about your findings at Toy at Toylana and your day, and and uh, you know, if you got any questions for us, come say hi. Yeah, we want to know about your experience. Yeah, and what you found, like you said, if there was any gems that were found in in boxes underneath the table. Yeah, man, That's I nice. was at I was at Dalton yesterday, and I went to that Battleground Comics and Games or whatever. Uh huh. And they have, it was a big shop and they had a bunch of stuff and, and they had a, um, 
Uh, Boba Fett, Power of the Force 2, Boba Fett signed by Jeremy Bullock. And then they had uh, a Scout Trooper, Rebel. Um, yeah, Scout Trooper. Uh, from Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi packaging is a vintage carded figure. And behind that, there was another Empire Strikes Back figure, but I couldn't see what it was. And so I went to the front desk. I'm like, hey, you got this figure in the back. Can't see what it is. Can you pull it out? He's like, yeah, sure. So <clears throat> he goes to the case. And in front of all these, the carded figures are just like vintage figures kind of lined up standing up. So if you were to accidentally pull the Boba Fett out and, and tipped it the wrong way, like all the figures in the case would just fall like dominoes. So he carefully brought it out. And then he reveals that it's a 2-1-B carded and my heart skipped because it looked beautiful but i'm like what is it doing in the back of the cabinet so then he carefully pulls it out he's like of course the price tag's on the bottom it's not on the top so he has to pull it out it was 70 dollars. i'm like did i just stumble on gold uh-huh. and so i i take a look at it the left side of the bubble had popped off but uh-huh. worse than that it looked like someone had taken a uh, uh, uh an iron and tried to reseal it with heat and because it was all bubbled and warped but the bubble was clear as can be the figure looked great the car was in pristine condition but it was 70 bucks and i i had to walk away because i don't i already have a 2-1-b uncarded and i don't want obviously something that looked like that but man my heart skipped and and then it went straight to okay what's wrong with this thing because or what's wrong with them if it's 70 dollars so if you find something like that at toylanta let us know Mm mm-hmm did you buy it? No, I didn't. I walked out. They also had a uh, hollow tube Tuscan Raider. It was hanging in the back behind all the figures. And I had to kind of like angle around to look at it and to see the price tag on, on the uh, peg that was holding it. It was 300 bucks, no gaffy stick, no robe. Um, but yeah, you don't see many of those up for sale. No, I thought that was sounded a lot. I think they're... I don't know. I would say like two, two fifty, but complete, not three hundred with yeah. nothing. Yeah, incomplete. It seemed high. But if you find anything like that at Toylanta, let us know. Stop by the booth and uh, join us. Yeah, we'll have our we'll have our handy dandy recorder, so we could even do something right then and there. See. Yeah. But yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to get your feedback on Toylanta. Also, um, if you're going to IC, I wanna wanted to. Uh, just uh, make this a little bit louder. The West Virginia table, uh, the West Virginia Star Wars Collectors Group, they're doing a uh, silent auction. It's an exclusive Kim Simmons signed 48 by 36 print of all 93 figures. Um, there is a certification certificate of authenticity. Oh, my brain's stopping to work again. So, uh, COA, <laughs> they have one of those. And uh, yeah, it's a silent auction and all the proceeds go to Children's Miracle Network. So it's good to see people giving back in the community. And uh, so if you're going to ICCCCCC, stop by and and put in a bid for that. Yeah. And if you guys are in uh, West Virginia and looking for a club, look those guys up. Uh, Sam Sams is a good guy. Yeah. Uh, I've met him a couple of times uh, up there in Nashville and then met him, got to hang out with him a little bit the last Cincinnati trip. So yeah. He's got a good, got a good uh, heart. Loves Star Wars, man. Knows his stuff. Awesome, so awesome. Yeah. All right, let's get into Obi Wan. Hello there. Yeah. Hello there. Yes, Kenobi. Man, that was Ken. an awesome day because uh, the Obi Wan official Twitter account just tweeted "Hello there" like first thing in the morning, and you're like, you're feeling it, like it's on. 
Yes. And then Entertainment Weekly started dropping photos. And I'm just like, it's investor day. We're getting a trailer today. And then, boom, it dropped. Yes. Oh. What'd you think? I need to take a minute for this one because I thought it was just going to be another, you know, another Disney thing I'm, or another Star Wars. You know, it's just another Star Wars show. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi, whatever. You know, I'm going to enjoy it because it's Star Wars. I wasn't looking, you know, I had no feelings one way or the other. I'm just excited for more Star Wars content. And then they dropped the Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> and then they dropped the fifth brother. And yep. then they dropped some sister Inquisitors. And I'm just, and holy Luke. crap. Luke, I cared him. Luke was cool. I think they missed the obvious Luke. Yeah, but I got, they, I got goosebumps when I saw Luke. Yeah. I got goosebumps when I saw Joel Edgerton as Owen. Yeah. And it really shot in overdrive when they played Duel of the Fates. I, yeah, when I heard Duel of the Fates, you kind of, when you first heard it in, in Phantom Menace, you kind of were just like, ooh, this is cool. And then hearing it again, it just brings back stuff. It's sort of like the same thing with me seeing R2 right now. I can't explain it, but you have an emotional connection to something that you just can't explain and boom there, you know, there's duel of fates and you're like, Oh, I remember liking this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks incredible. I can't wait to see this. Um, uh, I don't know. Dude. The, the, the only shot that caused me confusion was the one that, that, is you can you can't turn off Facebook without seeing that meme with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi holding up the goggles and looking at young Luke and then putting the goggles down, but they're replacing it with everything under the sun right now. Instead of Luke, yes. it's something else. There's um that's that shot kind of confuses me because Obi Wan's on a hill overlooking the Lars homestead, and I thought for miles there was nothing around the Lars homestead. I don't know, dude. Maybe it's that far away and he's got some really awesome binoculars. But... I wonder if it's some sort of force power where he can kind of project things closer to him through the force. I'm hoping it's something like that because, I mean, I've gone 45 years thinking they're out in the middle of nowhere. And so that would just kind of break my brain a little bit as I watch it. <laughs> Your brain doesn't need any more breaking, Jason. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we messed up enough. We don't need to mess up anymore. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I'm not, and that seemed didn't seem weird to me. I don't know. Maybe they will change it, and just people like me will be like, ah, there was a hill there. What do you think about the inquisit the Grand Inquisitor's head? That's caused a lot of controversy. It you know, and they when you look at the yes, it has it does. When I first saw it, I was like, hey, it looks kind of weird. He's a little round. But then you, just like with Cad Bane, people were pissed off about that. They draw all these characters tall and skinny, especially the aliens. So you can't possibly have a human look like that unless you put a ton of makeup on and you're already putting a ton of makeup on and I'll make them look like the character. Yeah, I think it's more of the, like his head should be longer because he's yeah he's from Utapau and that's, that's the issue that I kind of had with is Kind of looks smushed. Yeah, he, he looks he looks like a basketball instead of like a football. I football. guess is the best way yes. to describe it. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong sport, Lucasfilm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the fifth brother looks looks big too because his head's the same way. But and then they, sh- oh, I am, I uh, yeah, I am just so excited because I have a feeling that they're going to tie this somehow. They've already tied it into Rebels because the Inquisitors are there. Yeah. But I want to see what they're going to do because I, judging by what they did with Book of Boba Fett and what they did with the Mandalorian and what they've done with everything else and what they did with Bad Batch, they're just building on everything and they're building this this universe for us. And I can't wait to see what they do with it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Ezra, but because he's too young, he's like, he'd be like about five is what we're thinking. Cause it's five years before, I think it's five years before rebels. So you're looking at he's, he's five or six. I don't know. I mean, or 10, yeah, I've heard anywhere from five to 10 years before rebels is where Obi-Wan falls. I always thought that he was about the same age as Luke. I think he would be. I don't know why I think that, but I, I that's kind of in the back of my head for some reason. I think he'd be pretty close. I mean, I don't I don't know. I never did. I haven't done the research. But yeah. he's about, I'd say he's 13, 14 when Rebels starts. And Luke looks to be 7, 8 in that preview, maybe 10, maybe pushing 10. Mm-hmm. So... And I'm assuming Luke was about 18 when uh, A New Hope. Yes, that is a fact too. Okay, so there you go. So you're at eight to 10 years before A New Hope and Obi-Wan. Yeah. And Rebels literally will bring you up to pretty much the start of A New Hope. Not A New Hope, but like Rogue One area. So a couple of years before A New Hope. The dialogue in the trailer caught my attention because... Kathleen Kennedy was talking about how Obi-Wan Kenobi is broken. Right. And uh, we see the transformation from the broken Obi-Wan Kenobi from the end of Attack, uh, of Revenge of the Sith to the um, wise sage that we see at the beginning of A New Hope. And so um, that kind of piqued my attention. And, and the dialogue certainly supports a broken Obi-Wan. Um, there's, there's rumors that there's another Jedi at play or some other force sensitive person. And so seeing the trailer, it got me kind of got the gears working. And I'm like, I wonder if this is going to be like a new hope where Luke Skywalker, if you go back to Joseph Campbell's a hero of a thousand faces, the hero is always prevent presented a choice and they, they deny it. They call it the call. So their call to action. And Luke's call was to go with Obi-Wan to Alderaan to help save the princess. And he's like, no, I got I to gotta go home. Like, I got a family here. I got things to do. So he goes home and then he sees his, his parents are essentially Owen and Baru were killed. So he, he skips the call and then he goes back to Obi-Wan and he answers the call because he denied the call. Something bad happened. He's got no choice now but to commit to the story, to, to developing as a hero. And so bringing that young Jedi and some of the dialogue and some of the imagery we saw in the trailer, because there's that the other force, the third sister kind of cut someone off in the trailer and uses the the lightsaber. Then you see somebody hanging. Um, You just see his feet and you see all the people watching. Uh, Just, I assume it's a dead body. And so what if Obi-Wan says, what if this kid comes to Obi-Wan and says, help me? 
and Obi-Wan uses the, the words from the trailer, the fight is done, we lost, stay hidden. He's denying the call. This kid dies, and Obi-Wan says, and, and it also supports what all the Inquisitors are saying, that the, the Jedi are compassionate. So maybe Obi-Wan isn't compassionate. He says no to this kid, and then he um, says, this is not who I am. He didn't answer the call. Now he has no choice but to answer the call because he is compassionate and he's made a bad choice. Does that make sense? Yeah. I rambled. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, it, it has to be. It, it, something pushes him over the edge. Now, what it is, we, we won't know to the show. But yeah, it could be there's another Jedi. Uh, I don't know. It, it, they're definitely hunting Jedis and there's definitely a public hang, hanging. Uh, it, it could be a Jedi. It could be something else. It could just be that, you know, the Inquisitors are jerks and they decided to hang this random person. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm more curious who's holding the gun, the blaster at the end of the trailer. Because you see the Inquisitor, the female Inquisitor, uh, confront a shadowy figure and they purposely hold that gun out, which it doesn't look like a D-44. Uh, which is Han Solo's gun. I, mean, I know I've got it wrong, so yell at me later. Um, but it doesn't look, it's similar, but it's not exact. And I was thinking the same thing. I thought it might've been Cad Bane. I thought it might've been um, Tobias Beckett, but I've come to the, um, I've settled on, we see Obi-Wan Kenobi using a blaster later on in the trailer on the uh -huh. rooftop, right before all the birds fly up. And so I'm wondering if it's actually Obi-Wan facing down the Inquisitor without a lightsaber. I'm kind of thinking the same thing because if he's in hiding, he's not going to want to use a lightsaber because that would be a dead giveaway that he's a Jedi. Yeah, it's not until Darth Vader recognizes him that he has to use the, the lightsaber. That's and can you imagine if they wait like four episodes before that happens and then finally I you see him use the lightsaber and that's all we need to like get excited? I think they're going to do, I would, I wouldn't doubt that they do something crazy like that. Yeah. You know, cause apparently, you know, there's, there's off world stuff, which has been confirmed or pretty much confirmed. That's not Coruscant, uh, whatever that world with the neon is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I don't think Obi-Wan ever, is never going to leave Tatooine unless he's forced to, but dude, you just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm excited. I want to, like I said, I want to see what the inquisitors, why the inquisitors are there. You know, are they hunting? Could you imagine if all they do is mention Canaan? I mean, that's all we're going to need to be like, Oh my God, or Caleb <laughs> Dune. We're all going to be like, there it is. Yeah. You know, or, 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 you know, what if they, what if they mention Ahsoka? <laughs> oh, you know, cause it's happening. You know, you're in that time frame. Yeah, imagine if there's a flashback scene to the Clone Wars with the actors playing them, the, the, the Anakin, you know, Hayden and Ewan, and then they bring in Rosario Dawson to play Ahsoka. And you have Tamora Morrison, supposedly, you know, you could be like playing a Rex. <laughs> like a Banta. Like that, like a Banta, Obi Wan. Oh man, I had so much work up done on oh, Boba Fett, but we'll save that for another episode because Kenobi just messed everything up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Kenobi. It's going to be awesome. I'm hoping yeah, it's going to be I, awesome. My my excitement's at an all time high. 
Oh my God. The whole, I am so looking forward to now Kenobi and then the Ahsoka show or even because I, I really think what's going to end up happening is they're building all this stuff up. You know, um, and I think I, I keep repeating myself, so I'm sorry that I keep repeating myself, but I, I really think they're building this up. And before you know it, you know, Mandalorian season four is going to come out. It's going to be a totally different show and it's going to be a combination of what we've seen over what they've been throwing at us the last two, three years. Yeah, and it looks it looks different for some reason. I can't explain it. It doesn't it looks more like the big budget Force Awakens kind of trailer than Mandalorian slash Book of Boba Fett. I can't explain why I'm saying that, which is weird. Well, if they're if they're not using the volume as much, because there was stuff in Book of Boba Fett, especially when the Mandalorian pops through that uh, you know, in that butcher shop, you could feel that it was the volume. There was just pieces that didn't make sense. Yeah. You know, you could, you know, I'm, I'm, I am. Well, Ewan does say. Huh? You okay? Yeah, no, I'm good. My eyes have kind of been trained to do look at stuff like that. You could tell when stuff looks too sharp, it's not real. Um, Ewan did say that they do use the volume. It was a nice change of pace because he's used to having green and blue screens when he's acting in Star Wars. So to have an actual set to look at said it was it was nice for him yeah oh I, I don't mind i don't i don't doubt they're using the volume it's silly if they don't yeah but i mean are they using it in conjunction with visual effects or practical effects rather yeah i don't know we can't wait i can't wait to see it let's dive in yeah it'll be fun why is it may now <laughs> because now <laughs> our flight is like at 10 a.m right for Florida, for Florida, for celebration. For California. It's like 10 a.m., I think. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, 9.59. I'm trying to decide if... Uh, we leave at 10 and we get in at 11.30. So we got to be at the airport by 7.30. So that means we got to leave at 6. Right? Yeah, probably. So if I wake up at 5, I could still watch Obi-Wan and pick <laughs> you up and then go to the airport. And then I I'm just I trying on- to figure out... I plan on downloading to... on my phone and watching it on the plane 12 times. How do you download it on your phone? You just do it? On yeah, Disney? with Disney Plus, you can download shows and watch it later. Well, then I'll probably do that too. Yeah. Because I hate watching stuff on my phone because it's just so small. But it's better than waiting a week to watch it because you know everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, Obi-Wan. Dude, have you seen? Have you pulled up flights? lately to see what they're going for because i looked them up the other day i don't want to have shock dude they've doubled wow basically what we're paying for both of us to go is what one person is wow yeah that's insane yeah i wonder if that's going to be a reason for people not to go like before they're on on the edge of yes or no but now that they see airfare prices they're like absolutely not yeah just for let me i'm just for grins and giggles but anyway let's talk about obi-wan a little bit more but i mean okay okay, here's here's what i'm curious do you think do you think they're going to do the ultimate and uh well no they're 300 dollars. never mind it's still i think we paid it would have been six so it would have been 12 so they went up so it would have been 1200 bucks and i think we paid like right at nine for the tickets. So they went up like three, 400 bucks. That's not too um, bad, but yeah, still. Anyway, That's per person? Huh? 
That's for two people to fly out 1200 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Cause it was $300 per person. I was looking at two people. That's what freaked me out. I was thinking I was looking at a single person. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, flights have gone up, but anyway, do you think that they would do the ultimate, like piss everybody off and bring a uh, baby, baby Yoda into Kenobi? Um, I don't think so. I think they're going to keep the uh, two, two shows different. The two different, I guess, even though I'm going to say the two different universes, even though I, yes, I understand that they're all the same universe, but I'm just kind of saying, you know, they're on different sides of the fence, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And there's the Mandalorian universe, and then Ewan McGregor will be on his own universe, and then Andor will be in his own kind of corner of the property. You know, like, they're going to be separate. Yeah. Is what I'm guessing. And so, to answer your question, no. I don't want to see anything from Mandalorian in Obi-Wan. I want it to be strictly about the prequels, the, the original trilogy, and that's pretty much it, the relationship between Ewan, or, um, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. Darth Vader. It's something just hit me when you said uh, Andor. Do you think that could person with the gun could possibly end up being uh, Cassian? That would be cool, but um, if, I were to, if I were to put 10 bucks on it, I'd say that's Obi-Wan. Yeah. I'm put leaning that towards way. that being Obi-Wan too. Yeah, they're not really leveraging the crossovers like that, like, like I thought they would. Mm-hmm. you think they would have but yeah, yeah they are in the mandoverse the mandoverse mm-hmm. i think they're totally doing that with yes. them yeah definitely you know and, and it would it would be really funny if they like to start off an episode they'd be like in a special crossover episode of kenobi a special episode of mandalorian mandalorian has his first kiss <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be a good episode. Like I said, I was not looking forward to it or looking forward to it, but not like this. Now I am just excited because I, I don't, you might've said it uh, that, that everybody is like rebels is going to be the start of everything. Yeah. It certainly seems like this whole Mando verse that they've kind of built. It starts with, I'm wondering if it starts with uh um, Obi-Wan. It could. I don't know. <laughs> I It does feel like Obi, like you said, Obi-Wan feels different. Obi-Wan feels like there's, there's more money thrown at it. Uh, I don't know. I really think they kind of messed up with Book of Boba Fett and I don't want to get into it that bad, but I, I think the number one thing they did wrong with Book of Boba Fett is letting Demora Morrison play Boba Fett. And we can get into that more later, but that's yeah, my we'll number get into one. That later, that's not today's I conversation. Think, yeah, but I, I think that's where they messed up with Boba Fett, and it's where they took it a totally different angle, and that may be why we're just like, ah, whatever, because it does feel. And I think it's the same thing with like Rogue One, where we didn't know any of these characters. Now all of a sudden, they're bringing back a, a well-loved character that we loved, and it's the same person that played him, and there's no, uh, there's no second guessing it. You know, because we've already mm-hmm. seen Hugh and McGregor play Obi-Wan in the prequels, and now we're getting to see him reprise that role. So yeah. that may be why it looks different. I, I don't know. And they might have just thrown a shit ton of money at Obi-Wan. And maybe that's why we're only getting six episodes and not eight. Maybe. 
I still, we, I mean, we have to see how long these episodes are, but I still hold firm to the idea that this was supposed to be a trilogy, a movie trilogy. And uh-huh. so instead of having three movies, they just split it up into six one-hour episodes. But with that said, I don't know if it's actually going to be that way because, I mean, if they're 40 minutes long each, then I doubt it was a movie to begin with. Or, you know, like, yeah. my, my theory doesn't hold water. Right. Because you're at 40, 180. I mean, it'd be three very, very short movies, but now movies are, what, two and a half hours? Yeah, Batman was pretty close to three. The Batman. Wow. Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, I need to go watch it. I, I Yeah, I'm going to keep it spoiler-free for, for now. I, it, I There's no background work to do, like, with the Spider-Man, with the latest Spider-Man movie. You no. can just go watch Batman and not have to worry about it. Yeah, but it won't always be that way because there's going to be some sort of Penguin TV show and Arkham Asylum TV show. It's going to be insane. And then there's going to be two more movies or one movie for now. I don't know if they've announced two more. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true because Colin Farrell's that that plays the Joker, not Joker, the Penguin. Penguin, yeah. Wow. That's yeah, my, that's I need... my old classic penguin. <laughs> I always loved Batman. I don't know why I, I, I haven't watched, you know, I don't know why I wasn't excited about it. I guess I need to go watch it. Or maybe I'm just too so in the, we're so ready for everything else that I'm kind of forgetting about it. Because just truthfully, like when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I enjoyed it, but I was waiting on Star Wars. And it's like, I compared everything to like, I'm waiting on Star Wars, so I can't yeah. enjoy this movie. Sorry, I should keep my mouth shut because I'm just shutting you down. But no, the same thing with Guardians. Like It's like, oh, this is Marvel's version of Star Wars, but I, I want to see Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and that's maybe why I haven't gotten into Batman, but maybe I need to go watch it. And I don't know, maybe I'm just too damn busy. Yeah, you also need, like I said, to set aside an afternoon because it's three hours long. <laughs> yeah, and does it feel like a three-hour movie? Um, it's kind of slow and moody, so it does feel a bit extended. I don't know if it felt like a three-hour movie because it was a really good movie. Yeah. I, but no, I don't. I don't think so. Well, I mean, like compared to Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters New Afterlife, that was like a two and a half hour movie, and I didn't. You know, you don't. You it ends, and you're like. I over? did. Ch- I did check my t- watch twice in Batman. So. Okay, that's the go. that's the key right there. I think. Sometimes I like to see, like, how much do I have left, though? Because I Uh I like movies so much. I try to figure out where we are in the plot. Are we halfway there? Which means we've got to start, you know, picking up speed here soon. So I don't know. Maybe it's a bad judge of movie character. Whatever, dude. You like checking your clock in the middle of movies. Yeah. (laughs) But that's sort of my my judge of a movie is how many times do I check my watch and how many times I have to go to the bathroom. All right. Oh. Anything else? No, I don't. Th- I think we covered it pretty good. I mean, we didn't do step by step, but we don't need to do that. I'm excited. No. You're excited. Let's all. Uh, well, let's not bitch about the Inquisitors and the fifth brother and the seventh sister or second, third, fifth sister, whichever one she is, because they haven't really said who's the who the ladies Enter- are. Entertainment Weekly said she's the third sister. Um, the fifth brother looked incredible, like he just jumped out of the rebels. 
yeah, his face was a little bit round too, but I, like I said, when they draw him long and skinny, it's hard to make a human look like that. Yeah, they're very stylized. And then, um, yeah, I didn't like the third sister, the the Moses Ingram, I think is her name, Revan, something like Reva or something like that. Uh, I just didn't like that she didn't have any makeup. She looked too human. Yeah. Well, what about, because there's a, go ahead. She didn't seem twisted in the dark side, I guess, is my, but, my concern. Okay, so here's, here's we're going to, um, a spoiler alert for Fallen Jedi Fallen Order. If you haven't played it, fast forward about a minute. The, the, you've played Fallen Order, right? Yes, yeah. So the jet, the Inquisitor in Fallen Order, when they unmask her, she looks normal too. Yeah, but she still, she kind of looked corpse-like. She, she was pale. She had heavy, um, dark marks around her eyes. Well, probably wearing a helmet 24-7 does that to you. Well, why don't we try it out for a week, and we'll come back next week and report on that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's all it is. She just doesn't get sun under that mask. And that's the other but what thing. About... Like, she, Go ahead. The third sister's not wearing a mask. Yeah, that kind of throws it off. But then there's another one. So there's there's two women in there, and you never see the second lady. You see her, but there's there, there's no attention drawn to her. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to go back and check that out because maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I was just so enchanted by you and McGregor that I didn't pay attention to any other Inquisitors in the background. Yeah, there's a there's one that has because the one that the one that the third sister doesn't have anything on her head. There's another sister that has at least a half helmet on or like a scuba gear or something there's another sister from another mister there yes totally right. i'll have to check that out and pay closer attention yeah okay so, all right why don't you introduce uh yeah the pre-recorded session sections yeah so i um i'm going to go into the pre-recorded section where i talk about my experience uh, helping out with the Vintage Collection Archive Edition book. Uh, I did two different interviews because the first time, as I've mentioned before, the uh, equipment crapped out or I don't know how to use the equipment. One of those two, um, after 30 minutes, the interview just stopped. But we kept talking as if everything was going all right. So I kind of explain that here. Um, but the other thing I want to mention is that I asked the same question twice in both interviews and I didn't realize I did that. Uh, so, so it was just... You know, grant me some patience there, and and they do provide two different answers, which is cool. So, uh, it worked. I got what I wanted from them. So, here, without further ado, is the interview and the experience of helping out with the Vintage Collection Archive Edition book. When the Kickstarter page went live for the Vintage Collection Archive Edition book, I acted quickly. Having recently moved to Georgia with no connections, no job, I was desperate for a distraction. Now I know you might say, how is this book a distraction? It was just a Kickstarter pledge. It had just gone live and the pages of the book hadn't even been designed yet. But the campaign and the prospect was all I needed to pivot from a job search and immerse myself in the hobby. I was the 23rd backer that morning. I had never backed anything before on Kickstarter and I was so excited to do so. And over the development of this book, I had joined the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors and met 
many great people. One of those people included Jerry Hancock, who's also known as Kiati Randy, on the Rebel Scum forums and on Facebook. And Jerry had made connections with Daryl DePriest and Rich Allot, two of the co-authors of the book. And as we waited for the book to be released, Jerry decided that during Toylanta, which is an annual toy show here in Atlanta, Georgia, that he would connect with Daryl and Rich to see if they would be available for an interview. For those that might not know, Rich was the former brand manager for Tamashi Nations, the premium label from Bandai Japan for collectors aged 15 and up, and Daryl DePriest oversaw the Star Wars brand team as he led the development and design of the vintage collection line between 2010 and 2013 as vice president of global brand management at Hasbro. Both Daryl and Rich are two of the co-authors who wrote the Vintage Collection Archive book, and this is a great opportunity if they were both together to sit down and talk to them about the development of the book. Jerry is a history teacher and an all-around good guy. He's the kind of guy that makes for a great conversation and a great hang. He knows his stuff. Jerry was also almost a rock star, but that's another conversation for another time. He also loves Greedo. And his knowledge of history, and not just history in general, but Star Wars history, makes for a wonderful conversation. As I mentioned before, Jerry had asked them if they would be at Toylanta and if they would be interested in answering a few questions about the book on camera for the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors Facebook page. This is the first time I had met either one of them. We learned quite a bit from that interview, and Rich had shared, for one of the first times, actual pages of the book in print. And then, much like everyone else, we waited, and we waited, and then in December of 2021 at the Georgia Alliance's Winter Social, Rich arrived with one of the first copies of the book, and he had it on display for everyone to see. I think it's safe to say everyone was enchanted by it, from its canvas color and embossed lettering, to the detail of the graphic design and the depth of content contained in its its pages. I knew the book was going to be a success. Again, this was December of 2021, and the books were about to be delivered to a warehouse in the United States after a long journey from China. I had told Rich that I could help him ship the books if he needed it, and as you'll hear, the books were delayed for one reason or another, and I just wanted to help and do whatever I could to expedite their delivery, having seen it and knowing the value of of having that book on my shelf. As you'll hear, the books were delayed for one reason or another. I wanted to do what I could to expedite their delivery because I felt there was so much value in it, and if it had a lot of value on my shelf, then it would probably have a lot of value on a bunch of people's shelves. If that meant helping pack books to, as they say in Return of the Jedi, double our efforts, then I was on board to help the community and help Rich ship these things out faster. And so I waited a few weeks after the Winter Social, excited to help out. And then finally, something magical happened. My book arrived in the mail. I had run home a little bit early that day to grab something at home, and it was about 11.30. I waited an extra few minutes for the mail to arrive, knowing from the tracking email that it was scheduled to be delivered that day. I opened the package in my car, I held the book in my hands, and after a two-year wait, I was hungry to devour all the information inside. I ran back to work with the book in hand and had a few extra minutes in my lunch to peruse the pages. And needless to say, I was distracted all afternoon. The book sat beside me at my desk as I worked. It called to me, wanted me to open the pages, but I was strong. I waited until I got home to finally jump in and consume everything I could. The book was everything I had hoped it would be and more. 
It was a comprehensive look at the vintage collection, and many of the chapters came about because of the success of the Kickstarter campaign. The section about the Precursor line, the Saga collection, and the original Trilogy collection were included because of stretch goals. The fold-out section, where they included the Millennium Falcon and the Katana, which is also known as Jabba Selbarge, was another stretch goal. With these chapters included in the book, it became so much more valuable and necessary for any collector. And then, a few weeks later, Rich sent me the text that I had been waiting for. Books had arrived, and he needed help on Friday. So that Friday came, and I agreed to meet Rich at his place to help pack books. He lives about an hour away, and midway through my drive over there, he diverted me to a warehouse. The books, it turned out, were late in their delivery, and Rich wouldn't be home when he said he would be. Instead, I was to go to a storage unit with the instruction to go around to the back, where they were unloading pallets of books. When I arrived, Rich was watching a forklift pull pallets of books out from the back of a truck. With them was Dave, co-author of the book. Dave, who's also known as D. Martin Myatt, is a photographer and former archivist on the Star Wars Photo Archive on rebelscum.com. Rich has made a sizable contribution to the Rebel Scum Photo Archive as well, and for me, seeing these two legends for the first time was a pinch-me moment. I couldn't believe I was here in the presence of them after using the photo archives for decades to research and learn more about each action figure. But that pinch-me moment didn't last long. We had work to do, and the scene wasn't as cheery as I felt. As the pallets of books came out from the back of the truck, it became apparent that they had shifted in travel, and many of the pallets were broken. Boxes had large holes in them, or boxes were bent in places, and we knew that not all of them were going to be able to be shipped out to Kickstarter backers. And the damage looked pretty bleak. Splinters of wood were littered on the street and sidewalk like splattered blood at a crime scene as they were pulled off the truck. In total, about 15 pallets were dumped on the sidewalk. They were lining the street in the shade of that late afternoon. After all the pallets were unloaded, the driver waved as he drove off, leaving the pallet jack for us to do some heavy lifting. We ourselves had to move the pallets from the sidewalk into the warehouse. I'll also say this, you don't have to be around Rich and Dave for long to learn there's true friendship there. There's history, real camaraderie. They've been in the trenches together, developing and writing this book, and they've survived. And that bond has made a deep friendship. They joke around like they've been brothers. They joke, they joke around like brothers, and they were extremely fun to be around. The storage unit was on the ground floor, but these units are lifted a few inches off the ground. They do this to avoid water seeping into the unit. If, for some reason, water collects on the outside, there's a small dam of concrete that prevents it from getting into the unit and damaging everything inside. But that same lift in concrete makes a challenge when pulling pallets of books inside. Dave and Rich had to pull the pallet jack as I pushed from the back. Momentum was what we needed to force the books over the lift and get it inside. And we did this for as many pallets as we could. There were about three or so out of the 15 that were completely destroyed and couldn't be put on a pallet jack. The only way to move those boxes was with old-fashioned elbow grease, though I probably should amend that to say back grease. And I would have to estimate there was about 50 boxes that we had to move physically ourselves into the storage unit. So after moving everything in, a few hours had passed, and we still hadn't shipped anything out to any of the Kickstarter backers. So from there, we traveled over to Rich's place, where Jerry was already waiting for us. 
Rich had a few pallets of books waiting in his garage. He had rented a truck the day before and moved a few pallets over to his place just for the occasion of shipping things out. But there was one issue we hadn't anticipated. The, the signature nameplates weren't there. As part of the Kickstarter campaign, each book would come with a nameplate that could be inserted on the inside of the book, and they were signed by Rich, Dave, Daryl, and Steve Sansweet, who we all know from Rancho Obi-Wan. These nameplates were missing, and as Rich went looking for them, Dave, Jerry, and myself started packing as many books as we could. Packing involved pulling a Kim Simmons folded poster, a Yak Face bookmark, collector coins of Slave One, the Katana, and Jabba the Hutt. These coins had a similar look and feel to the Power of the Force coins from way back in the day, and a portfolio of images from page breaks inside the book. These items, along with a pre-production page, were all carefully added to the packages we shipped out that night. We wrapped all of that with bubble wrap, carefully taped it up so none of the materials inside could get stuck to it, padded the USPS box with paper, and sealed it all up. In total, we packed about 75 books that night. Rich's garage was so full of product, we had to, make a, we had to set up a makeshift assembly line outside in the cold. And by cold, I mean about 30 degrees without the sun warming us because it was night. The next day was my daughter's birthday, which prevented me from helping out that day. I returned on Monday, and I spent about four hours with Dave as we prepared and packed 200 more books for shipping. Jerry and I were unable to return until the following weekend, and in that time, Dave and Rich had shipped out about 1,000 more books to Kickstarter backers. During the week between the weekends I had helped, Rich had learned that the Chinese Customs opened up every slipcase box and inspected each one. Once they were open and clear for shipping, the slipcases had to be sent back to the factory for shrink wrapping once again and boxed up. All we could do that Saturday was help pack books and bubble wrap for those who had ordered books after the close of the Kickstarter campaign. These books would be much faster to pack before because we didn't have to include all the extras like the weekend previously. And I had used the opportunity to interview Dave and Rich for this podcast. Or at least I thought I did. Maybe it's some sort of universal resistance working against this project, but anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Or maybe I just messed up. Video production is part of my job. I'm not a professional video producer by any means, but I knew my equipment, or at least I thought I did. 30 minutes into the interview, the camera turned off, and because I was packing books and working, I didn't have eyes on my equipment like I normally would. Additionally, I didn't hit record on the, on the second audio recorder I brought but I was very thankful for Dave and Rich's time, and I didn't wish for this to be a total loss. So here's what I was able to capture the first time around. So where did the idea come from? I think uh, it was Rich's idea, 100% Rich's idea. Um, I think we first started talking about it in early 2018. Right? Yeah, we were shooting the uh, Rebel Scum photo archive. Uh, we were redoing the vintage collection stuff. Yeah. I think I remember when that yeah, the, was happening. There, there was some photos missing. There was, I think Dan Curto had just, uh, had just left Rebel Scum. Yeah. And there was uh, a bunch of entries that were missing photos. And we were like, um, the, the vintage collection was picking up in popularity. And we were like, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's fix the missing gaps. And then as we started doing that, we're like, why don't we go back and redo some of the other stuff? You know, the stock, like we were, we were starting to groove. 
um, our work styles. Uh, we were kind of pushing each other like to do this. We were starting to photograph little scenes. Um, and it took off from there, and and you know we're gonna we, do all this. Why don't we do something? Yeah, us? yeah, let's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we we called the we called the project the photo archive evolution, and basically we looked at what it was before and the information that was there, and, and it was kind of vague. It's like you know it's like this figure came out with this wave. Here it is, you know, and here's its its product number. But what we did is we looked at when the figure was announced. Uh, when it came out, when it initially hit someplace, uh, any variations that it had, and we tried finding um, corresponding figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and so, like, basically, it was it was meant to, you know, make it a more interactive experience to look at the photo archive. And uh, then we brought uh, Vincinelli on, and uh, for the Canadian stuff, uh, Scott McDonald, and we started doing. Um, a comprehensive um, gallery of the cardback variations, and uh, and that really that's kind of where it got started. And uh, then yeah, and I think it was 2018, early 2018. Rich had the idea, why don't we do a book? And you know, at this point, I'd I'd been doing photo archives for like close to 20 years. And I was like, oh, I don't know, Rich, <laughs> but he convinced me. And and you know, and then we started developing it, and we had a lot of really great ideas. Um, but we both agreed. You guys agreed. seem to have a good chemistry, good humor, and everything. We, we definitely yeah. work off of each other. Yeah, really we, well. I think. That's the thing. We'll yeah. uh, we'll we'll joke, but when we get mad at each other, we'll definitely beat the crap out of each other. But we know, you know, it's it's it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's all in good fun, and and uh, you know, we're just trying to push each other and and get the best out of each other. You know, like even when we were printing labels out there, and Dave kept putting in the the. <laughs> the sticker labels over the, the paper and and I kept giving him crap for it. Yeah, but, I think you know. it was all Rich's fault. It had nothing to do with that. <laughs> now you know now you know why your books are late. <laughs> why the vintage collection, not like Black Series or Power of the Force 2? Why did you focus on this line? I think it's one because of um, it, it really reached a point of evolution in, in with figures and and packaging where I think everything came together so you always probably a couple years before the vintage collection came out you had really good articulation like they were hitting their stride with with all the articulation at that point the engineering and the deco and I think the one thing that was missing was packaging and then all of a sudden they they make this amazing packaging that goes back to Kenner and Everyone was in, you know, there was a little bit of a lull in collecting in that point and then everyone as soon as they heard vintage collection and boom Everyone's back Let's on board. Honest, that VC1, that fucking Dengar. Yes. Yeah, I that don't was... think anybody in the hobby's jaw was not like When did they start making this? Yes. Of yeah. Figure? Yeah. Thing took it, I mean it looked like the freaking actor and I think that's where people realized They could really turn this into something if they kept this level of You know quality and, and sculpt and paint. Yeah, they set a tone with that first wave. And, you know, you can focus on Dengar, which is an amazing figure, but the entire first wave was phenomenal. Yeah. Sure, it had a few figures that had been repacked, but the C-3PO was great. The, the Leia was great. The reimagining of a Han Solo that we've never seen before yeah, is great. Doing? 
And I love that read in the in the book of, about how that came about and how like, the sculptor was yeah. watching the movie. Yeah, like, Eric. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> We've not done that one before. But even starting the line out with Dengar, it's it's a mission statement. It's yeah. saying this is not the line you're expecting. This is the line you deserve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it just kept delivering. But what I think is funny is is there was a lot of people who thought that the line was canceled as if it was you know, somehow a failure. But right from the very beginning when they announced it, they said this is going to be a short-lived line yeah. that will last like maybe two years. And it lasted three years. So like we really got treated to a lot of very cool stuff in a great period of time. Uh, and anything that looks like a classic counter is a winner in my books. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Leverage nostalgia with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do, do you remember, though, there was a lot of, like, back and forth at the time, and, and it, it, you really don't see it now because it's it's happened, so, you know, everything they release now, is, is it's okay. It's just like, oh, what's what's the logo going to look like? But when they've released um, the, the prequel trilogy figures and prequel trilogy vehicles yeah. on on the Kenner stuff, yeah. people were like, I'm not buying that. Do you remember? Like, this yeah. deviates. Yeah, <laughs> there were people like, I always, yeah. still, you still hear. And, and, and that's fine if, if, you're, if that's not your thing, but um, but just the 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 cards and, and the packaging, having something other than original trilogy um, was a big deal at the time. And, and again, like I said, now, now when something comes out like Book of Boba Fett, like we're just like, oh, what's the logo gonna look like? Yeah. Like it's it's okay. So that that was I think that was a really big deal. Um, well, didn't you say in the book that yeah. that was Hasbro's biggest or Disney? Yeah. Sorry, Lucasfilm's Lucas Lucas biggest concern was they didn't think folks would buy. It. Yeah, but they, they didn't want them using the logo too. Yeah. Logo. Yeah. Like, yeah. Logo, they should be able to put it on whatever they want. Lucasfilm said no. Mm -hmm. Wow. They're convinced though, and thank goodness for that. It's not, like, I don't think the Vintage Collection was the first powerful card back that Hasbro's ever had. Like, I'm a big fan of the 30th uh, edition, or 30th uh, uh, anniversary line, yeah, because that really popped. It stood out on the store shelves. But then you look at something like Black Series and it blends in. You look at, you know, the Legacy Collection, even when on the, you know, it's white card backs, it still just sort of blended in and was like, meh. Uh, the Vintage Collection is something. As someone who's predominantly a loose collector, and I do love the packaging, I do. It's it, it, you know that when you're in the store and you see it on the shelf, it just pops still. But as a loose collector, that freaking legacy line was the best of both worlds. The price was low. They they were very cautious with the yeah. articulation that they use. It had to be conducive to the character and what what they did in the scene. But. Man, they put out some good fucking figures. In yeah. That. At the same time, I felt that Legacy sort of alienated people because there's so much expanded universe, so much yeah, stuff based on the comics. Yeah, I, I lost my way for that period. It was just like it wasn't challenging for me because I didn't know who the characters were and I didn't really care for them. Right. You know, I'm, I'm much happier seeing like the characters that are on on screen. You know, uh, the the lead characters, the uh, secondary characters, even the tertiary characters, but. When you're going into like making a creature cantina guy and he's got like tentacles on his face because he had him in a comic book, it loses me. Yep. Yeah, you know? I didn't like the tentacles. Um, 
that that yeah they, they still need to redo that figure i think without the tentacles but for sure but yeah um i never really got into the expanded universe as i was telling him earlier for me in order because a i don't have a lot of space I don't, our house is small we live in town so yeah i don't have a lot of space and i don't get to display a lot of stuff but i'm predominantly loose a because it saves space and um i also focus on creatures i've always been the monster guy and if they are in the cantina, if they were Cloud City, a bounty hunter, or in Java's Palace, I'm buying it. I'll buy two of them sometimes. <laughs> one for card, one to keep. But I try not to get out of that because then it just gets out of control and you can't, you can't keep up with it. There's so many figures. And, but yeah, yes. I, I try and keep it in a contained. <laughs> I, I only collect original trilogy stuff. Really? And so. Um, when photographing, I had to go back and borrow a lot of things. Right. Um, you know, if there's a volume two, I now have every single figure moving forward, so there's no issue with that. But yeah, it was, um, it, you know, and I think this this goes for a lot of people because just kind of seeing, following some of the groups and stuff. Um, a lot of people only collected what was their favorite at the time, and now they're kind of scrambling and going back. Uh, especially yeah. like the carded collectors are, are like, oh, <laughs> I missed out on this, or I wasn't collecting prequel trilogy, but um, now I want them, and I, I have gaps in, in the, in the line. Yeah, that's I'm, that's. I'm happy to see, though, I think some of those prices are starting to level out again. Like yeah. three months ago, the prices exploded in the... Yeah, last summer was the peak, I think. Mm -hmm. It really, from whether it was vintage or whether it was modern stuff, it didn't really matter. And and then it did start to level out. I've got that tracker app on my phone. That, uh, oh, jeez, now I can't think of the guy's name. Jared Cope, Cole, is British. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't yeah, even know about it. Have you seen the app? No. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, it's, it's a pretty good database. And, and it's fairly accurate. Um, he does pull a lot of eBay prices in his, whatever his... Um, oh, they have a website, too. I think I've been to the website. Yeah. Well, they had a situation back in the summer. So I have uh, an AFA, or it's a CAS 85 plus blue snaggletooth. Mm -hmm. And the August jumped to $2,000. Wow. It finally came back <coughs> down and it seems to be leveled out. It's at $873 now. But, but yeah, you can go through, you can set up the collection. You can put the grades in, and then it gives you evaluation at the top of everything that you have in the... I'll have to check That's it out. Cool. It's a pretty cool app, and uh, like I say, its prices sometimes are a little skewed to the high end, um, but you can you can get a good estimate of about what it's worth. Mm -hmm. um, has it hasn't gone into the modern era yet, but I think it's in a matter of time. It, Particularly, like Rich was saying, I think when we get to, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we see that this thing's going to come to a close, I, that could cause the prices to spike. Yeah, I, then people I, are going to want to try and fill in all those because there is a definite end. You know? Yeah, there, I think they're going to see that the the 1.0 jump, and I think you're going to see some of these early 2.0s jump, especially like you got a Leia Bosch. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, one, one per pack per case. Yeah. You got, I think low gray is now. One per case. Yeah. Um, sorry, Tebow. Tebow. Tebow is one per case. Um, you can walk into Walmart now without seeing Lando. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's really. I, I don't understand what happens. It's, it's an amazing figure. I just don't understand. Uh, 
Yeah. How they got three per case? Yeah, on, on, on I, they, I think they should have paced that one a little bit better, two per case, and then maybe bring it back out in a year. I don't know. They, like they that. got That's what they should have done. They got I think it was a matter of paying for it, and they're like, "Well, the only way we're going to get our return on this is if we do three per case." Well, but they no, got mileage they reused on it. it for, yeah. for low or for uh, Lobot, and then for Bib Fortuna. Yeah. So, like, the tool is split across three figures. So yeah. they got their money worth. Yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, three three per case is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, just like his historically, like it's Lando's always been a tough yeah. figure to sell. Yeah. I, I don't know why he's one of my favorite characters, and that's yeah, that's what I find so funny is you have this character who's so complex and so much is going on, right? He's not a bad guy. He's a, he's he's an all right average day guy who's yeah. pushed against the wall by the Empire, and everyone's like, oh, he betrayed Han Solo. No, he didn't. He saved an entire city of people, <laughs> exactly. right? And then he put his boot in the Empire's ass for, for like you know. <laughs> For putting him in that situation, and he blows up the Death Star. Awesome character. I love yeah. that guy. Yeah, he's a good one. So you decide to move this thing to Kickstarter. What were your expectations? Did you think it was going to be successful <laughs> on day two? Or did you think it was going to follow the normal Kickstarter campaign thing where you get a big surge at the beginning and it goes down and goes up? Rich, do you remember how much we thought we'd get? Yeah, I think, I think we expected... Um, we, we, so we kind of looked at some other books and how they were doing. There was a couple Nintendo books and, and, um, and uh, I think there were some other toy books that we yeah. had looked at. That and, Nintendo one was uh, definitely... Yeah, so the Nintendo one was on the high end. It was, uh, it was a popular YouTuber, um, had really good exposure, and I think it had around $90,000. Yeah, and we were hoping for like half of that. Yeah, so we were like, okay, if we can, you know, if we can get to 75, we'll be in good shape. And, and um, it just kept rolling in and in. The word was spreading, and people were getting excited about it, and uh, it totally exceeded our expectations. Uh, we, we were, I mean, our projections um, after the first couple days were just out the window. Like, we were just like, okay, well... Uh, Oh crap! What do we do now? You know, because we had we had a certain level of, and, and and I think you can still see this on the Kickstarter campaign is we had like a lightsaber as an indicator for um, stretch goals. Well, we ran out of stretch goals, and we had to create a second lightsaber uh, for for more stretch goals. Yeah, like an advanced stretch goal. Yeah, and and the thing is, we we just wanted to make sure that everyone who who backed the project um, early on um, through Kickstarter got to get a lot of this cool stuff that we probably would have never been able to make without it, like the Kim Simmons posters, yeah. um, the coins. There's no way that stuff would have ever gotten made if it wasn't for, for everyone on Kickstarter. Right. How did that conversation happen with Kim? Uh, so for me, the, the inspiration behind a lot of the photography for the Rebel Scum forums and yeah. just what I loved about Star Wars growing up was, was Kim's photography uh, and you know staring at those catalogs his photos in those catalogs I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, you have uh, you've got the backs of the cards that are that yellow background or the blue depending on you know when when you kind of grew up so so you're always staring like oh I have this one but I want this one you're circling these things and then the vehicle boxes so I was like, what a great way to tie this, this vintage collection together, then go back to some of the guys that worked on this stuff and see if we can get some photography from them um, and work with them. And, and Kim was, was you know, more than happy to do it. Um, the yellow compendium one was the first one we talked about. 
And then when, when things started going really well in the campaign, I was like, Kim, how would you feel about redoing this, uh, this shot that you did on this uh, Star Wars is Forever poster? And he calls it the three worlds. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that would be awesome because I could build the stuff. And he goes, I think I, got this, I, think I have the sand and some of the other, uh, like, the floral so cool. in my basement. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, I think I have the sand and the and like the tree parts. So, um, so we so we go over there and, and yeah, we're we're pulling uh, buckets of sand used from the original uh, boxes cool. and and photography that he did from his basement and using it for for uh, the shot. That had to be really cool to oh, see it reassembled. It, it was incredible to, you know, you can, he's pulling out these, like, these plants that you can see, like, you're like, wow, this thing is from, um, this is from the Endor boxes. <laughs> and then he, he has some lichen, and, I mean, if, if you had the, the Battle Damage X-Wing, it's like, that Dagobah scene was made with the same stuff, it, the colors match, and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Rich and Paul got to go down for for that uh, that shoot, and I was just like, "Oh man, why can't I be there?" <laughs> I wasn't able to make it. It was breaking my heart because, like, I've spoken to Kim many times over the phone over the years, and you, you talk to Kim, you have a great conversation every time. Yeah. <laughs> but they went down, they did it, and uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to actually visit Kim in person until we went to get the poster signed, and. You know, the man is is such a wonderful character, and it was it was such a pleasure to spend that one evening with him. I don't remember how many hours. Three we were hours. There. Three <laughs> hours signing posters, but you know, it, there's something special about being around him, especially when you're talking about photography, because you know the passion he had when he was doing the stuff. What's he started? Seventy nine or eighty? The passion he had then is still very much alive in him now. Wow. And, you know, he's, he's a fan of, of the toy line. He's a fan of, you know, the photography he's done. And he's fully aware that, you know, he's influenced other people in the way that he has with Rich and I. But, you know, it's like he's, he's a legend. And he's a lot of, you know, he's a lot of the reasons why we do these things. Yeah. You know, like he, he sort of inspired us to uh, pick up cameras ourselves and pose action figures and take shots. So one of the cool things was um, Kim built the mountains and the tree for that for our set because um, obviously he didn't have the others after all these years yeah. uh, they're just pretty big take up a lot of space so um, we gave him the dimensions of, of like what the X-wing size was so he built the tree a little bit bigger than than he built the original um, and so this last time when we went to back to get the poster signed. Um, he had been building his own dioramas. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that I, Java I, diorama yeah, is yeah. And the, the, the X-Wing one and he's got a Rancor pit and, and I was like, Kim, do we, do we like, like revive 1983 Kim Simmons <laughs> from, from the last time we were here from building those mountains and, and, uh, and trees. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, he's laughing. He's like, yeah, you know, he, he really enjoyed doing that. And, um, and seeing the response that our Kickstarter campaign got from it, and so he went and and, and you know kind of did what he was loving from from when he was building these dioramas and taking these photos, and 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 kind of reliving that. I'll be honest, man. Um, when you guys post the video of him 
building the yellow background set. Yeah. I didn't originally back the compendium poster. When you posted that on the Kickstarter, I'm like, that's it. Because I reached out to you yeah. on Kickstarter before we'd ever talked. And I'm like, dude, I gotta get one of these posters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I was telling him, I don't know whenever you guys are packing those up or whatever, but I do want to get you and Dave to sign as well. I'd love to have a poster with, with both of y'all and him. And the, the funny thing about that poster is, is we had two days of shooting. So the first day was the, was the compendium poster where we set up all the, I think it was like 154 figures. Without any stands at that. that yeah. Was impressive. And, and, the, <laughs> and then the second day we were doing the, the three worlds shoot. And so we get there, we're setting everything up and I, I forgot VCO eight. Oh. And I was, and, and the, the funny thing is. What was that? Darth Vader. Okay. So. I, I was on top of Paul. I was like, Paul, don't forget these figures. Don't forget these figures because he had a lot of the prequel stuff and we were, we were basically going to meet there. We had everything mapped out. And I was like, Paul, you can't forget this. So I was, I was totally hounding him about not forgetting stuff. We show up. We're lining everything up. We got it all in place. And we're like, okay, we need VCO8 still. There's a little space there for it. And we're looking at the list, and it, I was supposed to bring it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And Paul's like, you were hounding me the entire time, and you're the one that forgot the figure? Yep, so we were scrambling to, to get this thing. You found somebody up there since Yes, there, right? yes. So Kim's son, Scott, was able to connect with the Ohio Club and um, get us a figure because they – Amazon wouldn't deliver it because the VCO8 was, re, I think it was re-released at that time. Yeah. But Amazon wouldn't deliver it for like four days. <laughs> and it would have completely thrown us off schedule. We, we called all the stores around there. No one had it. Um, so we were kind of in a nightmare scenario where we had, every, we had 153 of the 154 figures set up. <laughs> and we were, we were at the point where we were talking about, are we going to have to Photoshop this thing in? Oh. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is at that time, I remember I sent you my VCO8s so you could do a comparison of all the different variations because it's a fair amount of differences with that figure. So you, <laughs> you had a pile of them at, at your yeah, house. Yeah, so I was going to bring, I, I think I, the reason I forgot it was because I wanted to bring the one, the newest one, and I still had it carded and I just hadn't taken it off the card. And so that's why I didn't have it because I didn't take it off the card. So so there was a nice card version sitting here. So when I got home, I was able to to send it back uh, to to Cincinnati. But yeah, it, it was just uh, forgot to open it in, in <laughs> hounding Paul the entire time. Too busy, st you know, staying on top of Paul to. Uh, so did the guy from the Ohio Club who got it to you? Did you give it back to him? So we. That would be a pretty good keep. So he yeah he gave us a carded one. Um, I, I kept, I have that figure and I just sent him my card and one back. Uh, okay. So Kickstarter funds, what, where do you go next? Do you start writing? Do you start taking photos? Do you start interviewing? Everything. All, yeah. All in one. Everything. I, I think do. before talking about that though, I think there yeah. is a little bit more to add about, um, uh, the, the different tiers because when we started developing the project, um, there was there was a desire to bridge classic Kenner to TVC in ways that Hasbro wasn't wasn't going to do it, or at least at the time that we didn't think that they would do it. Um, so all of our ideas came from spitballing what 
can we make that's Kenner-esque that would match up with this stuff? And never in a million years would I imagine that we would have gone through such so many of our list and actually got to produce the things. The coins are phenomenal because they're just like the old Kenner coins. Yeah. And the slip case is, you know, like whoever thought like a vinyl case could be turned into a slip case. Uh, the posters, everything. It's the, the project of bridging um, the classic Kenner to, to the modern stuff was such an adventure. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get as much even, of it done as we could. Even the logo, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're recognizing it. That's it. So yeah, uh, you know, to answer your question, you know, once once we we were, I mean, we had we had started some of this stuff already. Um, once once things started taking off, we 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 understood that it was time to start getting to work. Um, so we, we split things up um, and, and started going to do research. Uh, we, had, we already had a, a page model kind of built out how we wanted to, to get the, the pagination done or pagination done for the, for the book. Um, we had already talked to artists about doing um, the chapter breaks. So it was just a matter of coordinating all that stuff and, and um, you know, getting getting everyone everything they needed so they can get started, so that we could focus on the things that we needed to get done yeah. ourselves individually. Because it, it wasn't a, the type of project where um, you do this and I'll just wait for you. It was like you do this and I'm going to do this and you do this and I'll do this and I'll take this. And so, th I mean, talk to to say like moving parts. Um, there were tons of moving parts is an understatement. Everyone was constantly working on something uh, the entire time. There's a lot of time spent on the phone discussing things, uh, working in real time, uh, changing things to you know make more sense of them, uh, and research a ton of research. Yeah. Who did the artwork for the uh, slipcases? Uh, we both did. Um, wow. it, it was my concept. I, if I recall correctly, it was a, it was a hard sell. Yeah. So. I, I could not like I, I just get I was like dude we can't do this there's no way this is gonna work I, I don't understand I don't get it I'm not seeing this with you and um wow. so he he I was like how's it gonna work with figures I was like usually that stuff looks looks kind of cheesy uh, when people try to do figure collages so it was a hard sell for me. If I'm being honest, the interview as I conducted it just didn't feel right. If I had to describe the personality of the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast, it's just a couple of people hanging out and talking Star Wars. When it changes over to a talk show format and it becomes more formal, it feels less authentic and quite frankly uncomfortable. It's like wearing a new pair of shoes when all I want to do is slip back into my old ones. So when Jerry and I return a month and a half later in early March, I was determined to finish this interview the Smuggler's Galaxy way. Jerry and I returned to pack slipcases and get those out to all that had pre-ordered them. We prepared boxes. We packed 23 that night for shipping. We organized. We talked about all aspects of the hobby. And through these talks, something else happened. We quickly became fast friends. I truly appreciated the time I spent packing books because it wasn't work. 
It was go going over to a friend's house to hang. It just so happens, as we talked about vintage and modern collecting, we were also packing books. And as important as these books are, and as important as it is to get them out to the backers, it really wasn't the focus with our time together. Our company with one another felt so much more valuable. After a few hours of work, we ordered pizza and picked up where the interview left off. I also want to mention the other voice you'll hear in this interview is Jerry, who once again always makes the conversation much more richer and more in-depth with his wealth of knowledge and history. So here's what we recorded. I've already started to hear the book being used as a reference, source of reference. Awesome. Yeah. I've heard people say that it's going to be <laughs> a source of reference. They're learning stuff about like vintage tenor stuff. Yeah. Like why Kenner chose to use certain hardbacks and Hasbro making choices to, based on what Kenner did and what's available to them. That was really cool, being able to um, to get the card guy and and say we couldn't find this photo. Yeah, that was a lot of insight. The, I have to say, as I read each page, I've still only read about half of it. I just sort of casually, but I'll go through where the card art is that's like my favorite section it's almost better than what's at the bottom yeah. I mean, the stuff at the bottom's great but just just the, the card art been yeah interesting insight i figured the way i'm seeing it like everyone's kind of going through it now and I'm just kind of digesting mm -hmm. no one has talked about the card matrix yet mm. and i think when people realize how to use that thing it's going to be a whole new element. The, yeah, it's going to be the like because there's no. I don't think it captures that 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 clearly. Mm -hmm. Where, okay, I want a VCO weight Darth Vader. Which one do I want? Okay, there's this version available. There's no, you know, this one's this one doesn't have a sticker. Someone peeled the sticker off. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. is that how you envision the matrix to be used? For that. And for every card that exists, because, like, think about vintage collecting, like Henner stuff. Mm -hmm. They try to catalog every single kind of variant that exists. Yeah. So what, how did you go about trying to figure out every single vintage variant that was out there? Yeah, so, um, the good thing is, for the original line... Most of the figures, the carded figures, I had them and I photographed them for, for Rebel Scum. Mm -hmm. We didn't use all of them, so it was really easy to figure out what existed. Then, for like that stuff that was re-released down the road, that was like a carry-forward, um, there was a guy out of L.A. who I knew. He wrote down every single variant. Wow. He knew everything. So um, the two of us went through and figured out what he had that I needed. He sent me two giant boxes, like they, like that white box that you pull down. Yeah. Two boxes like that full of card of figures. Oh my god. And um, we photographed everything. Mm. And there's some really weird stuff that people don't know exists too. Like, um, there were some very early figures that I got that had the thing in, like the Tarkin is one of them. And I think it has a really early date stamp, and that's how we figured out that it was real, because he had one too. It has the offer in it, 
but the sticker's not on it. So either someone in the early cases forgot to put the stickers on them, or um, they got mixed up um, with some of the Asian ones, and they thought they were going to be sold in Asia, because the Asian market ones didn't have the offer. It was valid for U.S. only, mm -hmm. and they ended up um, coming to the U.S. Ah, uh, one slipped out, kind of. Yep. So how do you put that down in the matrix? Is it no sticker available? Uh, yeah, it's it's is is though it doesn't have a sticker and yeah. Hmm. Well, they you, I that was one of the cool insights I liked about the book too is how you guys addressed the internal conversation about the 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 prequel trilogy. Yeah, you know, and the fact that it, it, everybody only wanted to see from the original line, the original art, but nobody cared. And I, I, I mean, I was, I was eager to see the new prequel trilogy figures with the new logo and all that stuff. Um, but apparently, that was a that was a big risk in the eyes of the folks at Hasbro. It was, and once you get to the end of the book, it talks about the promotional stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it talks about it in the beginning, but at the end, in the promotional stuff, I'm pretty sure we mentioned it. When they gave away the cards oh, in yeah. Celebration, yeah. those proof cards, yep. they were prequel cards because they wanted to show people how cool, how cool they'd look. they would look, and, and that's right before the wave hit. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you guys choose to write about the Vintage Collection over Power of the Force 2, or any of the other lines... Sansweet did the. I mean, up until like. Whose bases are covered? Yeah, I think yeah. I think everything is is pretty well covered. I think like Power of the Force, Kenner stuff is pretty well covered. Um, I meant Power of the Force too, and like more moving forward. Yeah, I, so so that silver book that we kind of like used as inspiration for this one, yeah. the Action Figure Archive. I think that covered pretty much everything right up until. Was it right up until Vintage, or is that I think right at Force. The force, the, the, the freeze, freeze frames. Freeze frames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and part. so then he picked he picked up everything else. It was loose with the second book he did, with um with Paul and Dan and Anne. No, I got um, that book too. That's a good one. Yeah, so that was that was more loose figures, and I think mm -hmm. that one butts right up to um up to vintage collection. Like it gets really close to it. No, if you see, it actually it does have vintage collection because. One of my photos ended up in there by mistake, uh, okay. and Steve was like, "I'm so sorry," and I was like, "It's cool, no big deal." It's an honor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Put my freaking yeah, yeah. Photo. So he mistakenly grabbed a photo of mine, not knowing. Um, and so, so yeah, that um, it, it kind of goes up to vintage collection, and and then there's been nothing since then. So it was just like perfect time, and and obviously this is the this is for like a collector line this is what everyone loves I mean, yeah. you've got carded collectors you've got loose collectors it's got articulation it's got everything I'll tell you um, I don't know if you remember Star Wars Insider tried to bring that format back as like an insert the oh the, the magazine the um, I'm not yeah. sure who did that but it looked like extension pages to Sansweet's original book and they only got they got some of the um, the long picture Power of the Force 2 mm -hmm. era there's a few of those there's a little bit of episode 1 and it made like two issues and then they stopped it and I was so upset because I saw that as an extension of 
Sam Sweet's original book. I'd love to see somebody do the Legacy line. I I have to say, Legacy is... I like the Legacy line as much as I like the Vintage Collection. Legacy, Shadow of the Dark Side yeah. is another really good line. I think there's a certain point where... I want to say it's like Power of the Jedi, where they started experimenting with... Uh, they moved out of that five point of articulation and they started doing that um what was the name of that army line do you remember that army line where they had those like swivel elbows and like if you rotated it one way they were straight and if you rotated it the other way they oh, would, yeah. That's they would go they did it, with like lando and stuff yeah so they started incorporating that kind of stuff because you've got these like world war ii figures yeah. that are action pose kind that, of yeah so they're selling for like five bucks and they're loaded with articulation yeah. those and are, it's those are good figures and, and they were good likenesses and, that fx7 is still the pinnacle i mean they even carried it over in the vintage line so once they started going there and then they and then they start going to to VOTC mm-hmm. and um, that first saga line um, and and then it just started to pick up from there and it yeah. got it got really good with like with legacy 30th anniversary had some really good yeah, figures and sculpts good line the packaging the, the coins packaging, that was and gorgeous. the selection of characters they had the coins some were nice, nice little I don't know if we mentioned this in the book because um, we really didn't talk about 30th, but when, when we were interviewing people, and, and I think even Daryl mentioned this, that when when they were doing 30th, the big thing was, how do we set this apart? Because they're starting to realize, now we're, now we're fighting for shelf space with mm-hmm. other, other toy lines. Like, it was kind of, Star Wars was starting to kind of lose its prestige a little bit mm-hmm. in the toy aisles. It wasn't like number one toy of the year, like 20 years in a row. Or so yeah. so they're like, okay, how do we differentiate this? And and they just went with a completely different type of packaging style, mm-hmm. like the, the the die cut cards, the yeah. illustration, yeah. like that, that was the, um, that was a big thing about that line was, was the differentiation on the, on the packaging. The character art was gorgeous. It almost looked painted. Yeah. yeah. This sort of, yeah. almost like a military sort of roughed up a little bit, roughed yep. around the edges, yep. a bit of like a patina to it. That One of my favorites is the, uh, Tartakovsky, is that, is that his name? Tartakovsky, yeah. Yeah, he's got the Anakin with the blue lines on him. Yeah. But the card art had like an actual looking, yeah. real life looking Anakin yeah. with that, that same imagery and it was just like, that's really yeah, they probably had to put a lot of work into yeah. that card art because I mean they were they they did that with a couple of characters where they would take an image from the movie and then sort of airbrushed it or something to sort of give it that distinction. Kind of softer, they kind of softened it up a little bit, yeah. 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 And then you, you know you add the coins with it yeah. on top of everything else, and it was um, that was a, that was a really solid line too. Yeah. That was um, something that um, we had talked about, and you know. I know I know they're not always vintage collection, but there are there are still figures from those lines that I think would be fine in the vintage collection, and that some of them oh, have yeah. even ended up as part of it. Yeah. And, and I've so been, I've been pushing anywhere anybody would listen, your chat room, social media, to to redo the Herchek Kalfas because that's a great figure. But they never fixed those freaking eyes. And I remember Daryl in an interview was, oh, we're going to do a running change and correct the eyes because yeah. they didn't look right. Yeah. And they never did it. I'd love for them to bring that figure back, tweak the articulation a little bit, and paint those freaking eyes black, and I think it would look the clock, awesome. The clock is ticking on the vintage That's collection. what I'm saying, it's man. Like, it's, there's so many legacy figures that they could absolutely slap on a vintage card and sell in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's like, this is the grand finale. We're coming in for a landing. What are they going to do? 
One of the things that we did with um, kind of honoring that is when we started um, next to Steve's um, forward, we, we, instead of using all vintage figures, we kind of used kind of a hodgepodge mix of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty fitting if you watch the, the Obi-Wan trailer because what we did is we have Luke flying his T-16, which is a Power of the Force 2 T-16. Mm -hmm. um, there's a Luke from, I believe it's it, it's um, the Resurgence pack from Legacy. Mm -hmm. um, and then it uses Biggs, uh, Camion Fixer from the comic line. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's just a big hodgepodge of figures. And... Um, you know, so Luke's Luke's shooting at the uh, at a Wampra and the T sixteen. You've got Obi Wan with binoculars, kind of looking over. So I thought that um, it's it's kind of like an like a uh, a nod to Steve for for everything that he had done for cool. for us, uh, you know, as collectors. And then uh, it was really cool to see that scene in the trailer. <laughs> and we're like, wow, we're visionaries. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right. I mean, we saw it long. Yeah, boy. yeah. <laughs> No, not at all. Not not like that. I mean, holy crap! Luke Skywalker's fl flying up. What was he trying to pod race on that? It looked that? like a pod race. Yeah, or yeah, or, or, a, a or a speeder bike. Yeah, he's doing the because everybody he's was doing of, the. He was doing this though. He was doing like this. Yeah, <laughs> like some great memes from that. Oh my goodness! The Obi Wan with the Viewmasters. That is just yeah. I saw awesome. I saw that. There's oh some my really goodness! Good popping up. What was it like to work with legends like Steve Stansfield and Kim Simmons? Um, and it's like a dream come true, you know. <laughs> like, um, we I'd only like emailed Kim a couple times, and yeah. we sent some messages back and forth, and we showed up, and and it was just like, uh, it's like a grandpa, like going to see, you know, <laughs> going to be, going to meet grandpa, super like cool. Um, open the door, dogs come running at us, like, um, super like slobber. Yeah. So it was like your grandparents and, and, um, and, you know, had great stories to tell, um, shared a lot of stuff, a lot of info with us about things he did, how, how he, you know, thought processes on, on photos he did. Um, it was, it was really cool. And then with Steve, um, yeah, it's just super professional. You know, we asked for advice on certain things and, and more than willing to give it. And, and, you know, Steve and Ann were, anytime we needed to talk to them, they were there for us. And, and so it was, yeah, it was cool. And I think the biggest compliment is, you know, we were, we were struggling to make sure, like the, the biggest thing for us was to get the content right and, and make sure like the words were like, were right, you know, like you can you can write something but is it going to make sense is it going to be cohesive is it going to tell a story from from uh, uh VOTC uh Luke Skywalker all the way to uh, one, VC 160 I think it's 163 um are we going to be able to tell a story and and um we gave Steve a uh, a digital copy to go through and um I think the biggest compliment is when he came back and he goes you guys have set a, a new standard so that was incredible to to hear from him It reads so well. That's the thing. Normally, a book like this, particularly when it, it has components on each page, you have the section in the color, then you have the stuff with the card art, and it reads, normally, would read a little choppy. Yours, if it, it, flow, it really flows. Well. Even cool. from, as you go through each section, I've found when I'm reading it, 
I tend to start and then sort of do this as you can work your way down awesome. to the bottom, and that's like the grand finale. It felt a page. lot like a Rebel Scum page. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I mean, that's maybe it's because we we kind of developed those pages back in the day, yeah. and and how to uh, you know, hey, what like how do we evolve these pages so that they include more information? Yeah. And so um, that's that's interesting to hear that I take. Get it, it, when you were talking about like you're moving your hands and yeah. I'm looking at like in my mind I'm seeing the Rebel Scum pages and I'm like this is just like a Rebel Scum page. Like you yeah. would go there and to the photo library and I still use that today. I do too. And you, all the time I'm always got the little blurb. You've got like all the different cardbacks and different variants and. I have to say, I mean, not knocking Steve, obviously the Action Figure Archive book is a freaking masterpiece, but as you read parts of that, you do feel like he was sort of hard up for trying to find text to go along with it, and then some of it's almost comical, the little blurbs that he puts in there where I don't think there's a wasted word in, in your book, because it just... There was one page kind of like that in, in, in the Vintage Collection book. That had like, uh -oh. you were struggling. <laughs> I wasn't struggling. It was just like I could tell that they didn't have a lot of information I got on this figure. They were just trying to come. It was up a modern something. figure. It was um the elite Praetorian Guard. Yeah. So it was it was mostly just describing what happened in the scene in the movie. I'm like, well, I, I think the reason that we did that was because there's so so one thing that we set like we we wanted this to serve as a reference to Hasbro too. So, Dave, Dave. A lot of times, the Rebel Scum team, um, or or Hazard would come to the Rebel Scum team, especially Dave, working on the photo archive, and they tell him we use the site every day for for research. And I was like, what a great opportunity for us to pepper things in there that kind of hint to Hasbro like hey uh, you guys there's seven of these guys yeah, and you made yeah. this one so that that the thought process behind that wasn't so much that we were missing it was to describe which one he was and uh, and the weapons he he used and it. and oh by the way yeah because you go like the first one does this the second one and then the, the last guy that dies is actually the first one we described yeah 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 so yeah. so that that's why we did that some some of the stuff in there is a little strategic from our from from our like writing standpoint to kind of be like oh hey Hasbro like Chewbacca is another one where that body has been reused since since Dave Enemeyer sculpted it in for VOTC. It's the same exact body, yep. and it's it's definitely withstood withstood the test of time. It's a solid body, yeah. but as you see how they've improved sculpting and articulation, they can definitely, in, in, especially from like the hips. I think the hips could be better. I think the hands could probably be a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the hand doesn't doesn't hold the the. Bowcaster very well. Yeah, because they're they're hard. Yeah, yeah. Hard so to get it in there. so that that's that's why we kind of hinted at those those little things like that to, yeah. to Hasbro. Like, hey, uh, if you're reading this, um, there, there's a couple things you could that, do. That could be a great multi pack with all the Praetorian guards. And and if you look the chapter break for that um, for that chapter, we we took. So the Praetorian Guards, I have a feeling that they were probably digitally sculpted or they had the digital assets for because the head from the, the one that came with the Ray training um, and the whip that he came with, mm -hmm. that, that character came with, in the uh, five POA packs yeah. from was it Last Jedi. Last Jedi set. Yeah. So the, the chapter break photo that Alex did from, Alex from Torek did was um, we, popped, we had him pop the head 
and use the head from that multi-pack and they fit beautifully and the weapon and everything so it's it's really like head swaps and ex new accessories so it's not a difficult thing but it seems like yeah a simple read pack but again it's is there is the interest there yeah probably not now yeah the heat is off on the last jedi it's more i think it's going to have a resurgence <laughs> later i i think right now 20 the, years yeah the wound's a little too fresh right <laughs> but but yeah, I, I it, it's interesting you said that with the sort of the uh, almost like uh, reference guide for the Hasbro guys. I do feel like you know I'm all for the fresh blood and the outside the box thinking that we're seeing or whatever. But the, the team is getting increasingly younger, and I think that yeah. that is a good so th things get lost. Yeah, yeah. From you, from you, you, it's good that you guys did that because I th I think that the, that that younger team's gonna they're gonna there's a lot that they could learn from the, from that. Book yeah, and and I would say that the the team now, um, the way that they've evolved. I think at first they took a lot of heat because oh this doesn't look right or this is weird and mm -hmm. and um and I, like that Bib Fortuna. Dude, opening that the, the soft goods like the the soft goods treatment on that is is, yeah. is mind-blowingly good um loba like the between the articulation between the soft goods like they mm -hmm. get it i think i think it's you know it, it, you get in there you kind of get your feet wet you yeah. start start kind of figuring things out and they're at the point now where um they know exactly what they're doing everything is is like referencing that that classic canner line to a t mm -hmm. And um, it looks damn good. It looks really good. Yeah. So there's the whole campaign to finish the 96, the Saga Collection, and the original trilogy. VOTC, yeah. VOTC, yeah. Do those count towards the Vintage Collection in your mind? So the original team... So, so this, is, this is the really strange thing. The original team said yes. They do. These are like Vintage, vintage Collection is an extension of that and uh we're going to we're going to honor that line that you know those those will be the definitive figures as, as, as part of this yeah. but the first wave they, they do luke bespin mm -hmm. so it was like did you guys really mean that yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. so I, I would say that probably not because those figures can be upgraded tremendously like luke leia han obi-wan um, They've aged well. They, they have. But there's definitely room for improvement. That Han Solo to date, I still I, swear I, by that, that might figure. Be a great final wave. Yeah. Leia to would, redo to redo all the of first those, one, the first wave, the VOTC, VTAC, yeah, and VTSC. Yeah, Chewbacca. Blue. That's pretty cool. And, and cap the collection. I finish it there. Sort of full circle. Yeah. Yeah. You got connections. Run that idea by. <laughs> <laughs> They don't listen, no one listens to me. <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's the thing I was saying. As far as the, the, the actual engineering of the figures, I agree. I think that the, the new team is just killing it. But I do feel like sometimes they don't look at this the same way as the veteran collectors do. And they, they miss things sometimes, I think, sort of fall through the cracks because they don't see it the same way that a lot of the veteran collectors do. But, you know, I, I feel like you're... Your book, like I say, it is a good. Is is it's all the guys on the new team should have a copy of that book on the shelf. I keep hearing people say these figures for six year old, but mm. it can't be. Yeah, no. Like with uh, the exclusivity on some of these figures, they can't yeah, be. They're not. I think I. I so 
I, I think there's there's two things to this. I think one, I don't think the team. So, I, I don't think they're as disconnected as as people kind of lead lead everyone to believe. I think it's just like a, like a collector narrative. Yeah, you have to factor in that for some things. Um, they're forced like like a Jabba's palace that they that the big Jabba's palace, mm-hmm. uh, which is what are they calling it? Boba Fett's throne room. Yeah. yeah. That's that's Disney. That's directive from Disney, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, I think right. it as much. And and so you, between that and between having to, you know, when you're when you're developing this line, you've got to have a budget. You've got to follow the budget, and and sometimes maybe something that would be really cool collector thing, um, kind of maybe gets cut. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily that they may not understand or do things the same way. Not there's, there's yeah, just there, a lot of cooks. In yeah. The so so there's yes there's there's definitely instances of that where maybe they drop. Hey, they didn't know something intimately enough, and maybe something slipped through the cracks. But I think a lot of it has to do like bigger picture. There's so many, it, there's so many things coming at them from so many different angles, yeah. um, and and that's just based on what what some of the older guys from the from the first uh, VOTC one run yeah. um, told us. Because I, I think you know, even if you guys saw the 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 live that they did it was the new Hasbro team it was right after Mark Boudreau had retired and they brought him in for that interview and it was like every one of those new team members was looking to him like this guy's like a god yeah <laughs> yeah Mark so when we went up to see Kim to have the poster signed um, we met up with Mark um, for about I don't know we talked to him for about an hour yeah we gave him a book talked to him for about an hour um, and uh yeah, he, he thought everything was in great hands. He he still contacted and was in touch with the team. He said that. Enough. Yeah, he he's said. Great, he's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, he said a lot of the guys would um, would contact him about certain things they were working on, and and hey, um, I, I I know like the Razor Crest for example. Uh, he he had said, oh, Chris had contacted me and and wanted to show it to me just to, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, 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 that kind of thing. And and it's interesting because. It's exactly what happened in VOTC one when um, when they were doing the uh, the the ATAT and Brian Parrish was designing it. Um, he immediately went to uh, to Mark and said, "Hey, this is it. What do you think?" And because that was like his, I think that was his first big type of vehicle yeah. like that. And so yeah, I mean he's been doing it for so long and. Uh, that, I mean, everyone everyone goes to him and, and and uses him as kind of like a like a hey, is this right? Is this wrong? Like, what would you do? Kind well, of pick his brain. He's seen it. He's seen it from the beginning to yeah, uh, not necessarily the end. So yeah, it almost makes sense. I mean, he would have to be involved in it at this point because I mean, he's 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 a part of that legacy. I mean, of, of all the folks who work. On the lines, I, I think Boudreaux is probably the one I'd like to speak to the most. I'd love to talk to him because he has that such that view of how things have evolved and changed He's over there from all day one. Almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked to him about that. It was um, it was interesting. Every Millennium Falcon and every Slave One that have ever been done. He's down it. from like micro scale to like galaxies edge or not. What was that? Smuggler's yeah. Smuggler's run. Yeah. So every yeah. single one has been him. That's amazing. That's a hell of a legacy, man. And um, yeah. So so I think him for me, like it would be him and Kim, and and boy, I got to see them both in one day, which is so like cool. incredible, you know. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm thrilled to see that Kim is staying so active, and it's it's almost like a you know. I call it the Kim Simmons resurgence. Who yeah, like hey, it is. that's yeah. what I was like. I was like, is this like 1981, Kim? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the last time we went up there, we set everything up, we did all the photos, and then we went back to get everything signed, and and we brought him books and stuff, and we were showing them, and, and um, and you know, he gave us the hey, it took you guys long enough, that, you know, and so <laughs> like yeah, well, we didn't do three books in that time because he, yeah. he goes yeah, he goes I get it, you have words, I have pictures, but um, it was funny because. <laughs> Um, he was um he was showing us all the dioramas he was building. So cool. And he 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 he'd built Dagobah. He'd built um he had he was he was building a, like a, a a showcase for the the Java's diorama, uh, the palace and the the um Rancor pit that he built. Yeah. And he he was just like, I was laughing. I was like, yeah, this is this is like a like a resurgence for you. Like we we sparked the sparked that creative. Uh, Kim Simmons from from yeah, days of it, old. By the bug again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was always there. I don't know if you guys remember, but right when Kim was first starting to get reacquainted with the collecting community, um, he was going to like Michaels or Hobby Lobby and getting these little cases, and he was taking ships and would build little scenes in it, and then he was like selling them or auctioning them off on some of the Facebook groups or whatever. And I think that was the beginning of it. And he, I think, you know, going back and maybe looking at the pictures that he did for the big hot scene or something like that. But, yeah. I mean, you look at those pictures that came out today of him doing the Sarlacc Pit the scene. Sarlacc Pit. He, he looks like a kid in a candy store. He's having a ball. It's, I'm, I'm, is that, what's, what um, barge is that? Is that the Hasbro? That's the new one. Oh, he does have the new one. Okay. So I don't know where he got it, but he's got I, I that. Didn't, he's I didn't know. But I, that freaking scene, I mean, the table he's working on has got to be, you know, 8 to 10 feet, 8 to 10 feet square. That's a huge, huge. thing to fit that photograph. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would take you about 12 feet <laughs> by 25 feet. Then they're done by... <laughs> Talking about delays, can you go through a quick run-through of all the delays you experienced with this book so people know the stress that you were under? Um, I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm surprised you're still standing here. I, I think the last one is probably the funniest. So, we were supposed to have the slipcases on February, probably like around the 21st is what they said. They'd be, and then they're like, well, it's President's Day, so we don't know if the, the truckers are going to be working and stuff. So, so give it like a couple days after that. So, I'm like, okay, cool. 21st comes around, President's Day, 22nd, no call, 23rd, I'm like, I start calling, I'm like, okay, wh what's going on here? <laughs> and they're like, um, they're still on rail, they'll be in Atlanta on the 23rd or something like that, or they're here, or like, it was, so that that's from one side, another side is, oh yeah, they're in, they're in the depot in Atlanta. So I'm like, okay, what, are they, are they in the Lawrenceville depot? And um and, and I was like, cause, cause last time I had to go and pick up a couple skids from there because they were so late on getting me those. They, those were like two, almost three weeks. Almost actually, it was a month late almost. They were they were here on the 28th of December, and we didn't get them till sometime in mid January. Right. So I'm I'm asking them about these these things, and they're like, oh, uh, you know, well we've got we've got freight forwarders got someone scheduled. They'll be in touch with you. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm I'm <laughs> nagging them every single day. Finally, they're like, okay, we got something scheduled. And I'm not hearing anything back. I'm like, like, what is going on? Lo and behold, 
on on so we we got the books on Tuesday. The Friday before, like late cuz they're on the West Coast, they're like, "Oh, um your books are in Dallas." <laughs> Uh, someone from Atlanta um, sent them to Dallas, and uh, they loaded them on a truck, and they drove the truck to Dallas. They're, they went to a depot in Dallas, Dallas, and, Texas. Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Georgia. Just want to clarify. Not the not yeah. no, not the yeah. Georgia Dallas, and so they had to bring them back back to Atlanta. Back to Atlanta, and uh, make this stuff up. and no. So Monday comes around, and they're supposed to be here on Monday. No one and I and on Friday I was like, is someone gonna call me to schedule an appointment? Because I know if you don't get the call, you ain't getting the books. <laughs> Didn't get a call on Friday, but they're like, oh, someone will call you Monday. Monday comes around, nothing's being delivered, and I'm like, I'm like, oh crap, here we go. <laughs> Another week. <laughs> and then one o'clock rolls around. Um, got a phone call from a number I don't re- recognize. I'm like, hello, they're like, hey, we have, and I was like, yes, <laughs> finally. So. That that that's how it capped off. But pretty much every like, really, if it could have gone wrong, yeah. it did. And I'm glad you guys are here to see some of it because you cannot make this up. <laughs> like you lost paper at one point. The, the, the paper you had allocated for your book went to another book. Yeah. So because of some of the delays, uh, they took the paper and used the paper. So we had like a like a I want to say two to four week delay. Because of a paper shortages in the supply chain, and then, well, I mean, the slipcase is being late because they got in Hong Kong. Customs pulled them apart and, and inspected all of them, yeah. like just one thing after the another. Name plates. The name plates, forgetting to put the name plates in. Yeah, I, I, it was everything. It was everything. So did they print them? They print the name plates in Asia. They send them here. You all sign them. You send them back to Asia. Send them back. They get die cut. So when they sent them to us, they were two per sheet and nothing was cut I see. we sign them they go back they die cut them and then they cut the sticker they laser the stickers into them I see. and so that way nothing the reason they do that is because if they sent them to us um they would be damaged edge damage right like so that, they don't yeah. they don't plus um we had everything in the slip cases pre-packed so that we didn't have to do that um, so that that's another reason they went back to Asia was because um, they were they were prepacking uh, all that stuff in into the uh, the slipcases. <laughs> so yeah, they forgot to send those back to us. Um, yeah, and then you know, wow. even even now, I, I think I read the email to you guys today. On the twenty first, we were supposed to have March twenty first. We were supposed to have all of the um, any anything that got damaged. They they did a print run of stuff just to kind of make up for it. Um, and they just said, "Hey, because of COVID uh, and the the Hong Kong China, um, you know, lockdown stuff, uh, they're going to be a week late. So oh it's everything. Like that that was probably the simplest thing because it's just printing stuff and putting it on a yeah. in FedEx. So you're like, okay, there's no way, right? right. Wrong. <laughs> you need to go back and check your shipping, your invoices, and see if you can log how many miles these slipcase editions have traveled." Because they travel from the printer to the port, from the port back, back to, the, to printer, the printer, from the printer to the West Coast, across the United yeah. States to Atlanta, halfway, halfway back across the continent, <laughs> back to Atlanta. And, and now they're going back. Yeah. miles, man. Yeah, these things have some miles on them. Jeez. 
the fact that he came across the country they went halfway back yeah. across <laughs> Just and and like they told me that Friday right and I'm like do I like and this was late Friday because they're, they're west coast so like I don't know they're telling me maybe like 6 o'clock our time um and and I'm like do I put an update out about this? Because people are going to be like, you're bullshitting us at this point. Like, do I, like... You're making excuses to not work. Yeah. ship this stuff. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just going to let this ride and hope that they show up on Monday. And I, I, I didn't think they were going to show up on Monday because I didn't get that call. So I, I think I said, like, I've got my fingers crossed, but I'm not, like, not counting on it yet. But I, I had a strong feeling on Tuesday because at that point, I had been on the phone with them and emailing them so much. You said two or three times a day, right? That, that I, yeah, I think that they just, just wanted me done. Like, they just wanted <laughs> to be done with me. Yeah. Wow. At that point, they were just like, get him the damn books and just get him the hell away from us. <laughs> I'm surprised the operator on the phone didn't just load them in the car and drive them over themselves. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm tired of hearing your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's that guy again. He wants yeah. his freaking books. Well, I mean, there were calls where you're just like you're being hard on someone and you realize you're being hard on them but you need to be hard on them to get them to like understand like the gravity of the situation and then there's an awkward silence (laughs) and it's like so what are you going to do to get these to me immediately and then just like an awkward silence and and I'm like well I'm not going to say anything until he says something and he's like well I don't know what to tell him that he's so yeah oh my god there's a power struggle in silence wow you talk first I talk first yeah pretty much (laughs) talk about the components of the book because they're like there are multiple components that were processed and produced in multiple countries you got the handles done in one place you got the bookmarks done in another place you got the the coins done in another place i mean yeah so the accumulation of all these different yeah so bookmark i think bookmark bookmarks were illustrated in canada okay so um that was left coast yes that, that was that was rick from left coasted those um Coins. Um, both Rick and I uh, did the uh, the art for the coins, okay. uh, the illustrations, and um, they were they were done in the U.S. as well as the coin holders. So those were all done in the U.S. Oh, speaking of the coins, tell me about the Slave One, which you did to get the illustration for Slave One. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, so it's I was at my friend's house, and my Slave One was still in the box, and I. I needed. I couldn't take it out of the boxes. I needed a photograph, but I also needed a photo of the slave one at a certain angle. So he was. Um, I was like, "Oh, is that is that the big slave one?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Hey, do me a favor, just hold this." So he stands there. He holds the slave one for me, and I just take a picture of my phone, and that's what we ended up using. As yeah, to illustrate. No. No. <laughs> Photoshop that out. Yeah, so we basically use that as the. So it's the, the toy is on the coin. Every, every single so this is the this is the thing that Jabba is the Jabba toy, really? that throne is like the all the elements are basically just line drawings of the toys. Wow. Yeah. So even even like the Sarlacc pit, the tentacles and the pit itself, 
Um, I photographed that stuff, and we just we we yeah. So that's how the, the coins <laughs> were made. Yep. Sorry, wow. you derailed your question about components. Yeah, and, and then um, yeah, for the most most part, the other stuff was done. Obviously, um, the chapter break photos were all done all across the country. Um, we had Alex from Toy Arc, Jax from you know, Jax Plastic Action on Instagram. Um, we had let's see, Richie Chang. Um, Nose Rain uh, on Instagram. We had um, Work More or Less, uh, Jason Yang. I'm trying to think. I, wanna, I don't want to forget anyone. Um, I know Dave Dave took the uh, Higher Ground photo. I did the Java's photo, um, the Java playset. Yeah. Um, we, um, I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anyone. I don't think so. So everything was, you know, coordinated to to work with with these guys. I'd worked with them when I was doing stuff with Tomasha Nations, yeah. and um, we we did like an art gallery at, at a celebration um, in Orlando a couple of years ago, and I really wanted to work with them again because they're super talented and and they're great ambassadors to like collecting, um, and and so getting to work with them was was really cool, and and so their work is included. Um, uh, Vince, who helped with the uh, the card matrix, and, and like I said, he sent I don't know what what's that like a twenty like a like a twenty five by forty inch box like two forty twenty five by forty inch boxes of carded figures that I was missing to help fill that stuff out. Um, I would say it sounds like you were the choreographer, but when you factor in all the misadventures, you you've basically been the ringleader of the project whole manager. project. Ringleader. <laughs> it's a circus. Right? This is basically so, sometimes. A circus. Sometimes I feel like I was in the ring too, like balancing on the ball, and then you know, juggling yeah. chainsaws, getting out of the clown car, yeah. Except it was like me, 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 me coming out of the clown car, yeah. Uh, um, I think it's obviously it's a labor of love because anybody else would have thrown their hands off up and just said, "Forget it, <laughs> I can't do this anymore." Yeah, I mean, we 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 knew what we wanted to do, and it was we we probably underestimated some of the time it it would have taken, mm-hmm. like from the beginning. I think we we thought we could do this faster, but. Well, between so so, I think originally we were like, okay, this is going to be really tight, and is it going to be the same quality? And we're like, let's push it back. Then COVID happens, and then we're like, okay, so now it's harder to work with people. It's harder to interview people. You can't like the the in person interviews. I think were very important to us because you can take out a stack of cards, a stack of figures, and you can show it to someone, and and they can talk through it. They understand it. You can look at something. When we lost that because of COVID, now someone talks about something. And a really good example is um, Jen Urso. She has like a key in her head that's that fi- that fixes the way that the head is is attached. So when when the face print is when the face is painted, the eyes don't go crossed. Hmm. And it was a, it was one of the first figures to have that. Well, I think when 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 they were interviewing or I don't, I don't remember who worked on that figure but I think the confusion was that they thought it was a Ray figure and so if you have the figure there when you're meeting with someone in person you can oh let's pop the head off and look oh it's not this one well we've got we got a lot of stuff like that and 
since since now you're 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 going through it and, and and the notes and now you're trying to now you're trying to physically match that and oh look it's wrong now i need to go back to them and mm. and and get information and you know people's memories over the years fail them and yeah. and so it's just a, it was just i think that that definitely hurt and slowed things up is is um like email interview or or a phone interview or something like that mm. um it, it added a lot of time because in person like I said, you can show someone uh, a card, and let's talk through the card. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look at the, you know why did why did you pick this artwork for it? Whereas um, you know through through those other means of communication, you're relying on them to to make sure they're looking at the right thing or remembering the right thing, and um, there, there's not that real time. Oh, hey, but but this you know or or are you sure because I, I remember it this way and 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 so that that was a lot of that was lost and it, it kind of added on yeah I think I mean that that interpersonal element I think is is really strong with the book you really feel that I think when you read it, it it's got a humanity about it you know yeah. what I mean I think and, and that's probably what it is because yeah you, I think we've all learned that lesson with COVID is that 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 interpersonal interaction is so important. So vital. It is. We we all I think lost a lot over the, those two years of being isolated from each other. And I'd like to think that maybe we have a better appreciation for that now. But uh, yeah, I guess you can't guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, you know, everything has to be done that way. And, and even with us, you know, we're we're you know we're all across the country or you know Dave's in Canada so yeah. you know, we can't work together you know everything has to be done um, everyone's kind of working in their own little little silo and I had mentioned that in some I can't remember if it was maybe the forum or social media or something it was like do you understand that the three authors of this book are geographically separated yeah in some cases by pretty great distance we don't care we got our pitchforks exactly it's like that really makes some, uh, something of this magnitude so much more difficult because you know everybody's got their part to play in it or whatever but when when you're separated that way it just i think that's a challenge in itself but i mean even like things like photography it would have been so much easier had dave flown in for a week and we could have cruised through stuff right (laughs) um and now you know with with that like i'm having to set it up i'm having to go back look at it you know take the photo is this right like uh, and and so it, it just it it's down. yeah it really does slow everything down when you when you just don't have when you when you can't rely on each other to to help each other out when you're ha- you know you're kind of isolated and you and just have to put your hands on it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you just have to put your hands on it now now with that like I think that yeah we it took it took it took us a longer time than than we we would have liked um, but I'd like to think that we didn't waste a single minute of it yeah. and. Um, Everything from from you know a couple times that I've been able to jump on and get you know breathe from from packing stuff. Um, it seems like everyone's really happy. A lot of messages have come in. Everyone's been super happy with with um, with the quality. Um, you know, everyone feels like it's got a good heft to it. Nice thick pages, and they're happy with the photos and the content and stuff. So it's it's great to hear. And and um, I think that if they had if if this is the right amount of time. That it took to get it this way, I think any sooner, um, we would have. We, I don't think it would have been at this at this stage of quality. So what's next for the vintage collection book? 
You're trying to kill me already, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, everybody online's already talking. Volume yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's the chatter's already started. So. And, like, if, if, let me ask this. If the vintage collection were to come to a close mid-2023, because they've kind of announced that they're going to go package, uh, plastic list and packaging, would you feel compelled to have, like, a definitive, this is everything, and just tack on the figures that you're kind of missing in this book? So we, I, I don't think there's ever, so we, we're treating this book, just the, like the way we, we did this book, but we're treating this like a collectible. Yeah. It's not just, um, we, we want it to, we want you to feel like this is, this is just as collectible as a figure. And that's why we poured everything into it, like photography, resources for interviews and, and content. We, want, we wanted to make sure that it was as accurate and as comprehensive about TVC or, or that that period that we covered, so that we we don't have to go back to it. So I don't see us ever touching that again. Um, I think if if it ended, it it depends on how much is there. Um, is it enough to do another full volume? Yeah, right now I think we're at like fifty percent of where we would need to be okay. to do a second volume. Because I've been keeping track of everything. They would need to get up to like BC three hundred for another volume. No, it I think it ends at 168. Yeah, but you're also you have to remember there's VOTC, uh, there's way more multi packs, yeah. mm -hmm. there's more vehicles. So when I when I looked at it, I think I we're like around 50 percent, if not below the 50 percent point at this mm -hmm. at this stage. Interesting. But the new vehicles are all bigger. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, they seem to have now that. COVID seems to be calming down. It seems like Hasbro is sort of opening the floodgates. You know, I think that there for a while there was that conversation, and you know, we talked to Daryl about that a little bit as well. This idea about what the Black Series did, and I think the Black Series had a good run, but now I can't count how many folks I've read in the last three to six months who said, you know, it was Black Series, but I think I'm going all in on yeah, Vintage Collection. Just, just today on, on Instagram, Yakface. Posted a, a poll. What do you prefer, vintage collection or black series? I saw that. Black series was winning like sixty percent of thirty. But they're doing 60. it on Instagram, and old farts don't use Instagram. <laughs> That's true too. Get on Instagram, you old fart. Put it on Facebook. <laughs> Put it on Facebook and make it because I the the Instagram poll, make it big text so I can see it. <laughs> but the new poll, it looks like it has buttons on it, but they don't. You have to post in the oh comments. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, all these old guys are sitting around going, I need James Webb to see <laughs> that <laughs> thing, <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, thank you, Rich. Thanks, guys. Thank Fun you, stuff, Jerry. Man. Fun stuff. And to wrap everything up, I'd just like to pitch it one more time. Get involved with your Star Wars community. You never know what might happen as a result of it. Again, at the start of this book, I didn't know anyone here in Georgia, and I never would have anticipated the opportunity to ask the authors of this book questions as you, as you heard today. I'd like to thank Dave and Rich for their time, and Jerry once again for helping assist this interview. Thank you again for listening to the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. If you could, please leave a like and a, and a five-star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. It really helps us out and points people to our show. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We love feedback and we love to make you part of the show. Our, our email address is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. 
Thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smuggler's Galaxy logo and to Levi Waterhouse for the Smuggler's Galaxy music. Hasbro, re-release VC66, hashtag vote with your wallet. Be a positive force in the collecting community. This is the way. 